0: Everybody. Welcome to the new Rocker Mike and Rob Presents We have a very special guest today, Mr. Richie Ramone uh, Richie was the drummer to the Ramones between 1983 and 1987 uh, But he's got a lot going on now He's got a brand new single out on outro records called Not Afraid uh, He's had two albums out over the last 7-8 years and he's starting a brand new North American tour in uh, March 23rd in, in Massachusetts. So, wow. Richie, welcome to the show. You got a lot. We got a lot to talk about.
1: What's going on? Nice yeah, nice to meet you guys.
0: Thanks, thanks, thanks. So, Richie, um, you were in the band from '83 to '87, uh. and it was a very Special time for the band I mean the the, the music scene was changing There was a lot of um, Hardcore Influences and I think the the Albums that you're on Too Tough to Die, Animal Boy, Halfway to Sanity Those three um, Really kind of You know are like a time capsule from that era Do you agree?
1: Uh, Yeah The reason it was a time capsule from that era It was a hell of a lineup.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you replaced Marky who, who left the band, I believe shortly after subterranean. I said, I said, you replaced Marky. Okay. That.
1: What do you mean? Oh, that's right. That was that other drummer.
0: Yeah. The other guy (laughs) in 80, in 83, when he left. And that was right around when subterranean jungle had come out. You toured behind that record, right?
1: Yes, I did. Yeah.
0: That's okay. Right. You
1: know, that album just came out, and that was the beginning. And uh, in fact, we shot. I shot two videos before I even played my first show with them.
0: Oh, really? So time has come today. The the and old thing was song, right? Psychotherapy. Yeah, psychotherapy. I, I didn't know it was before yeah, you had I even.
1: Was the first thing we did, and then we did. Uh, time has come today in New York City.
0: Right. And right. Very we cool. Right. Right. Now, I personally. Saw you, it was one of my first Ramon shows, I saw you on that tour, and um, many times afterwards until the end. Um, everybody knows I'm a big Ramones fan. Um, what I want to say is, and, and I, I think you'll agree, is that your period in the Ramones kind of is, I, I want to say it's, it's, and it was three no, albums that were, you they, were on.
1: They, they were upset yeah they were upset joey right. was my best friend we right. went out for four years and ten months every night whether we were on tour or stomping around the east fields every night straight right cool it hurt him you know it hurt yeah. him and you know uh you know the whole thing was handled wrong we should have did it with lawyers but i was such friends with everybody i thought out oh, we could just do this correctly and be done Yeah, it didn't work out that way. And that and that's what happened. So that's, yeah, you know, you pull your pants up and you go on. But uh, yeah, they were mad. I mean, Arturo had the website with the lights and they had all the five drummers. They left me out of that. You know, it's just like ridiculous. It was ridiculous because the fans knew I played there for four years, 10 months and three days. Exactly. You're just going to try to hide me that way. Right, so it was years and years that went with this. I didn't do interviews. I didn't do nothing. I read all right. the troll shit. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Developed a really thick, thick skin. You know, you got to have thick skin to be in the remotes to deal with all Surfing. the trolls because they're broken up in three different eras Do so you understand? The sure. Tommy era, the Mark era, my era, maybe four even, maybe when and the CJ thing. You know.
0: Right when CJ joined, over
1: twenty-two years, so every fifteen-year-old, that you know what I'm saying, over twenty-two years. But um, so it went a lot, but you know, it finally has finally has come full circle for me. With the crane de Crane de la crane, has rose to the top. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I agree. Now yes. they understand me. They read my autobiography. They really understand what the reasoning was. And they know, you know what? Richie's a fucking cool guy. That's what it is. That's what yeah. I want to be. I don't want to be a hero, but they have to understand who I am, you know, uh, yeah. to be that close to Joey for all those years and Dee, and me and Dee. he'd come to my house every morning at 8 a.m. And that's when we were writing all that rap stuff, you know, and um, so that's how it went. And we don't now you were to the whole story because you know,
0: no, no. I just I just wanted to make my position right, that on. I I I'm glad that you we're here to talk about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. That's all water under the bridge now.
0: You know, definitely, definitely. Now you, you mentioned your autobiography, and I just want to say the name of it. It's called "I Know Better Now." It came out in 2018, wow. and wow. um I read it when it came out. I think it's one of the best books on the band um that's out there monty's book is very good too um
1: yeah it's not necessarily I, about the band this book it's is your about time. My i wanted the fans right. know what i did from when i was born and where i'm from they didn't know enough information about me because it was kept from them Yeah, so this is more about a kid from new jersey grows up to be in one of the most successful bands you know iconic band, you know, as you sure. go through all the trials and tribulations to get there. That's what it's mm-hmm. really cool about. You know, then you get to the monjo you can tell all my stories, but they've all been told already. But you get to at least see it from my perspective about, you right. know, all that fighting that they all talk about. You know, I didn't see none of that stuff, you know. So, uh, but get the book. If you read it, you know then.
0: Yep, yep. I Know Better Now. It's available on Amazon. Everybody should get it. Um, but you've got a great new band now, okay? That uh, you're going out on tour again. You've been touring for the last couple of years, off and on. Um, tell us about the uh, the 2013 record entitled. How'd you get that going? What was the impetus for that?
1: It was like 2004. Mickey uh, Lee, Joey's brother, invited me to the Joey's mom birthday bash, and I really haven't played live for like 10 years before that yeah uh so i went and did that and had fun went and did the next year and i started to realize something something was missing in my life that i wasn't sure you know and it was you know being the creative side of writing music and playing and of course you know being on stage so people said, oh, you're going start writing and do your own record. Now it's like, I never made a record. I don't, what do you mean? How am I going to, you know, I don't have to make a record. And, you know, but, I, you know, I wrote the stuff and, um, you know, long story short, and they're putting out a record. And people ask me, well, why did you, the reason I put some of the songs I wrote for the Ramones on that record is um, just because I'm Richie Ramone, they needed to understand my voice. So I gave them some songs that they, the songs they knew, and then they could understand my voice, you know? Uh, so that's why I put like you know, drink and all some other stuff on that record as opposed to all new material.
0: Right, to and make that's- it
1: identifiable. Because you're a new artist now, mm. Richard Ramone's a new artist. I've been doing sure. it now for a couple of years, 10 years on my own, okay? So uh, I'm a new artist, you know? and you have that last name stamped on your forehead, God bless me, you know, the greatest thing anyone could ever ask for, but you're still a new artist, you know, you are fronting here. You're, you're, you're the whole thing. So it's a big challenge, but right now, you know, I'm almost done with my third album. They just get better and better. And um, the band is really hot. I got Ronnie Simmons back, you know, he's from Sydney. He used to play with me in 2016, 2017. Right. And uh, we're in rehearsals this whole week and it's dynamite. So I'm really excited. So there you go.
0: Do you have Claire back with you playing bass?
1: Yeah, Claire's never left. Okay. You know, that's her, that's her singing on the stingle, And, you know, um, yeah. so she's a big part of it. You know, people really love her. And, you know, I love her. And, you know, she just, um, she knows what to do. She holds it down, she leaves the spaces, you know. For me to yeah. play some stuff for the guitar player. So it's really, you know, I'm really I'm really happy with the sound. And I think now, by the third record, I have my sound, you know, my sound. Sure. Entitled, I wanted to go punk metal. So I got Tommy Boland, who was in, you know, with Dora Pess. he plays with. And he was, you know, mm-hmm. in that thing. He was a shredder yes. from, you just sit there and watch him like this with your eyeballs open when he was playing solo. Great that's point. where that came from. And my voice what my my how I my inner voice of how I really want to sound really wasn't there on that record. You know? When yes. Cellophane came out, boom. There it was. And now it's a new it. record. I own it. By this new record, you're gonna listen, you're gonna go, that's what Richie among. You know? So that's what that's what's exciting. Tell me yeah. if I'm talking too much and I'll stop. No,
0: no, no, no. Not at all. No, I'm enjoying you're hearing perfect. all this.
1: Yeah, perfect. It's good, man.
0: Um, you know, now, now Claire, obviously, uh, you mentioned how great she plays. And 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 I think that got, that has to go back to when she was in the Ramones cover band, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Claire, good yeah. cool.
1: She was in the Ramones in the U. Claire played with Marky Ramone, wow. uh, what Alex came back in the day. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. So they were... You know, they, they they went on tour with Marky a lot back then. You could mm-hmm. find her in, in in things back there. So uh but then I guess Marky fired both of them or something like that, whatever. But so I fired. Then she called me. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> nah. I was like, nah. I, was like nah. I don't know. I met him and I said, Nah, not, I don't know. I don't know, you know. But then, you know, things evolved and something. Because I, I was going out in the road to Australian stuff with Tommy Bow and the Shredder. We were doing a tour in South America. And Jiro Kabi, the bass player, the Japanese guy. Right. So that was my first lineup. And uh, it was, you know, it was, it was good, you know. Kind of everything I do is good, you know. If it's not yeah. good, if it's not good. You can't do it. In this business, you have to know what's good and what's bad and what's great. So now yeah, I'm going into tries. great score, you know? But we did those shows, and then I got rid of a Giro, you know? And so after I fired him, then I went looking for Claire a few years later. And there she yeah. was. And, uh, you know, she's a, she's a real entertainer, you know? She's a real showman, you know? You know, and, um, not a fancy bass player, but just knows just knows how to work her into the stage properly, you know?
0: Right, right. Very impressive.
1: But she plays it on my record, so she can play bass.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Wow. Cool. Now, I know last time I saw you was over at International Bar. We were having a couple of drinks. And I remember you saying about pouring. Uh, and I kind of wanted you to elaborate a little bit more. I mean, about what? what? about touring particu- particularly particularly oh. in europe and uh i was just wondering if you could tell us you know what's it like touring over there now as richie ramon it's
1: okay i mean you know europe i have you know a little bigger audience you know yeah but um it's you know it's always the best in argentina you know but
0: south america
1: yeah because there i still need like uh the only place in the world where I need the glasses and the mustache and the big nose—you know those things. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, I'm recognized right away in the airports. everywhere. It's really funny. The only place in the world. So, wow. Still to this day, you know. Why so, do you think that is, Richie? Why do you think the Ramones are big down there? It's a religion down there. You know, it was a religion wow. down there, and parents pass it on to their children. Okay. So it's constantly evolving, you know? And so the kids grow up on Ramones. It's a religion, you know? They love yeah. Ramones. They love, you know, the pest Mode, you know? They love, you know? But Ramones is the world, you know? Like what's happening in the States and everywhere else, they don't play this stuff on the radio, any punk rock or rock or whatever. Yeah. No. So anymore. the only way you children growing up get to hear it is through their parents, because right. I had a lot of dads bringing their daughters or their sons to shows, you know. Or, they learn it from a friend at school, and that's the only way. Yeah. Otherwise, so the so the the quantity of audience is getting smaller. You understand? Um, yes. It's getting smaller, and for live shows, a lot of these Ramones fans are now into the well into the 70s the earlier ones from you know
0: from the beginning
1: so they're not really going out and uh in the mosh pit are they no no so it's starting to shrink up and it's sad but that's just what it
0: is you know yeah it's it's, it's rock and roll in general is just not in the public conscience anymore which is not really, not, not you know long. sad thing you know so Your new single, Not Afraid, I was looking at the B-side, which is called Cry Little Sister, and I noticed that uh, it's going to be in a movie called Protege Moi. Am I saying that right? Yes. Okay, tell us about that. You're in this movie, right?
1: Yeah. When COVID hit, I ended up falling into movies. I've done three or four movies now. i got two or three coming out this year, but one's already out on Amazon Prime called um, Head Cheese the Movie. You can see that on <laughs> uh, Prime. And I played yeah. myself in that as a kid in the diner. Yeah. Uh, working in a diner. And it's animatronic. So it's like, you know, gremlins where they're puppets and they kill people. And I save people from these puppets killing everyone in town and stuff like that.
0: Oh, I got to so see director
1: this. Director Robbie Lopez then hired me for protege moi you know, which means protect me, I believe. Yes. And here I play the king, eight hundred year old vampire. I think there's a wow. clip on YouTube from it. So I play this vampire, and because I told him after that other movie, I said, you know, you know, they kept going, oh, you're a great vampire, you know, you got these cheekbones and all this. So <laughs> we talked about this vampire. I said, yeah, that would be cool. I'd I want to be the vampire that didn't have to do nothing. I want women chained at my throne. <laughs> and I put my hand out, they, you know, do my nails or, you know what I'm saying? Every man, yeah. dream, you know, live forever. And that's sure. what he was. So he wrote this movie, Protégé Moi, and I sit in the throne. I got girls chasing me. They go out, get my kills, bring me back. I feed on the on the women's necks and stuff. Really
0: but right. Protégé Moi and right. also uh, the upcoming Vengeance to Bloodlines, right? Right. Okay, that's coming out in September, or is Protege Moa coming out in September?
1: Protege Moa is coming. Bloodline should be earlier. That should be in like three months. All right. Now that's a fan. That's a Friday the Thirteenth, which I learned about. Fan base film, which ah. they can't make any profit, so it can't tickets can't be sold to it. So it ends up just going, in I guess YouTube and all those kind of markets, you know, because it's owned by Paramount,
0: like a streaming. So,
1: you know, yeah, so there's a lot of movies that are fan based films, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's really cool. I mean, you know, I got a lot of great scenes with Jason Voorhees, you know? Cool. So, yeah. So I'm really excited about that. And okay. I'll probably have one or two of my tracks on it from Solo Fame. I know there's going to be one on there. So, And that's the fun part about movies, too. I get to write for movies music right. if they want something so it's all good to win win definitely yeah, definitely a win all this stuff you can see all this on and it'll show you all the different movies that i'm doing and stuff like that so um it's hard for me to remember everything
0: yeah so let me ask you rich being on the road now and being on the road say back with the ramones uh what's the difference now as far as just logistics and being able to do it
1: well you get that out you know now it's all diy you know so yeah it's still the same dirty dressing room and blah 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 you know all that's the same you know but uh um I don't think anything's changed. You know, I think the the audience is, you know, I'm not selling out everywhere or as big as the Ramones, but nothing else really has changed with touring, you know? Yeah. We always take a band with us and, you know, so. Yeah. Touring is still the touring, but we're, you know, so I love doing it because I get to see a lot of my friends all over the world you know, once a year or every year and a half. I love eating different foods from everywhere, even in the States. Oh, Pittsburgh, we're going for the burger with the French fries. And, you know, it's like all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh, and New Orleans, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. So you never really have to go on vacation because when you're touring, you're like, you know, go on vacation. So, you know. You know, back in the Ramones, you just, you know, you just did your thing. It was the same thing, you know. I drive a lot now, you know, because I enjoy yeah. it. And um, not in Europe or nothing, just around the States. No, so, but I don't think anything's changed, you know.
0: Well, the fans, do. do you ever get surprised now when you do shows now, maybe – fans that you haven't seen or people you haven't seen in 30 years, or, you know, like that.
1: Yeah. Once in a while that happens. Yeah. But I'm not surprised, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I guess it's nice to see them, but, you know, yeah. I'm like, i mean, you know, I'm more like zoning out when I'm on tour, you know what I'm saying? I'm zoning. I have to like, you know, we're doing 24 shows in 25 wow. days. So a one day of off, and that's a nine-hour drive. So it's really not a day off. And so before a show, I really don't talk much. And afterwards, you know, I'd come out by the merch booth and talk to all the kids Yeah, well, kids. They, you know, they're not kids anymore, but you know what I mean. And then uh, that's yeah. it. So then I'm gone.
0: Well, you know, back then when you were in the Ramones, You know, you weren't, you know, you were doing a little background singing, but now you're actually singing the songs, you know, as well as playing, too. That has to be a lot more grueling, right?
1: Totally grueling. But I front a lot now. I front the show. I front half of it. Yeah. from Houston is Chris. He comes on and plays, you know, because you can't, you know, you can't connect with the audience 20 feet back behind wood and, and metal. It doesn't work. Yeah. I don't give. A, I don't care how, you know. If you watch the Eagles and and Don Henley was the only one singing all night, you know, so we would push the drums up. You know, we always have to push the drums up further. You know, mm-hmm. off the stage so that I could connect, but it still doesn't work. As soon right. as I, you know, as soon as I come out there, then the party's going nuts because then they can get, they can touch and you can kick them and you know what I'm saying, like. You can have a good time with them. That's yeah, why I like, you know, that's why I don't even like playing the festivals. I, I don't like being so far away from people. I'd rather be right there in their face, give them the mic, sing along, go for a little surf in the audience. and, And, you know, to me, that's really entertaining. You're an entertainer. You know, this isn't about me or how I play or whatever. It's about right. making you feel good that you bought that ticket and you go home and go, wow. Oh, what a great time I had at Richie's show last night. That's what I want you to leave as, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what it's all about. Wow. That's what it's
1: all about. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's it's great. great. I wanted to ask you about the uh, the 2004 movie, End of the Century, that you have a small part in. You talk about your time in the Ramones. <laughs> yeah. and... What's that? Yeah, go on. No, I'm just, I, I'm curious if you feel that, um, you know, being in the Ramones and how they were depicted in that movie, do you feel there's any inaccuracies or was it mostly told correctly?
1: I don't know. I don't even know if I watched it. Maybe once, so I can't remember that movie.
0: Yeah. Did
1: I don't know much about it.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, because that was kind of like, I remember when it came out, you know, you had been off the scene and I was like, wow, Richie got interviewed for the movie. But it wasn't it was that first much interview. of it. it was the first What's that?
1: I, it was the first interview I did.
0: Yeah, did did they use all of it or did they cut some of it, Richie? Do you remember? Because you weren't that on that long.
1: Oh, of course they must have cut. I must have sat there for an hour drinking martinis. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got into, you know, there was a while where I worked hotel chains where all the misfit musicians go and they work in the audiovisual department. So right. I was the director. I always was like the top cheese. Sometimes I'd have 20 guys working under me and that's where like you go and you go to the Carter's field. You know, I was working at Hilton. So I was working, you know, people ask me, what is that? You know, I was down, I was working at, um, Rich Carlton in Battery Park. That's Ooh. why I'm in that suit and my $300 MS tie.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and fat as fuck. I was a big fat guy. You know? Like, I've lost now since then 80 pounds. <clears throat> so... Yeah. And, um, and that was my first interview that I agreed to
0: do. A lot of, a lot of things that um, come out of that film, and it, the movie's 18 years old already, but a lot of it, I felt kind of like depicted them at odds with each other a lot. But then, you know, you just said earlier that you didn't see all that stuff. And I've spoken to other people that said they didn't see all that stuff. So that's why I was asking about the accuracy.
1: It was a fun thing to hype up, you know? It
0: was yeah. A good
1: thing for people to write about. Right. You know. I'm sure back in the day, yeah, Didi and uh you know, had a knife, and, you know, I'm sure they did little things in the beginning, but none of that was there by the time. They were all mature men, you know, and, yeah, Johnny and Joey really didn't talk, you know, but they had to talk during business, you know, so yeah. they weren't, you know, the best of, but we were, it didn't matter about us ever what was affecting our personal life, you know? You hit that nice. dressing room, and John would sit there and comb his hair forward, that big head of hair, and get it just right. And we hit that stage. We hit that stage. It didn't matter. You didn't you couldn't see anything. It was the one band that had never used so much smoke and fog that you had to be escorted and to the drums. You know. Yeah. You couldn't I see remember that. thing. And if the roadie set up the symbol wrong or anything wasn't exact, I'd go and I'd slash my hand. There was a lot, you know, there was a lot of what to do. Like, really? You set the drums up like that? You know, because you couldn't even see the cymbal stands. So,
0: yeah.
1: but they were really good. They really, you know, most of the time got it exactly right. You know, every night set up perfectly.
0: So really, you didn't
1: see out there till, I don't know, by the third song, it would start to clear. So yeah. it must have looked cool from the audience side, because it was like too tough to die. It was the shadows of us for like the whole, you know, durango 95 into lobotomy type of thing it was still in like shadows yeah you no know? no
0: well you're talking about uh too tough to die now on that album i believe uh, you're credited for writing humankind is that correct yeah yeah great song great song um is that something that um you know how did how did the how did you get into the, you know, to write for the band? I mean, did you just say, hey, I got a song? Or, like, you know, did you have to ease your way into it? Because Dee Dee and Joey were really the main songwriters. Was there any issue with you writing with anybody in the band? Or it was no problem?
1: Joey was, Joey was my inspiration. He was so confident behind those rose-colored glasses. Yeah. and in his clothes nothing bothered him he he pushed me for everything and pushed me and said richie was you know we submitted songs you better write a song i was like ah, i don't want to write yeah you, you got you know you should be writing you should be singing you know he kept mm-hmm. pushing me out front out front that's why i sang you can't say anything nice lead on the record kept pushing me and pushing me and it was really supportive a lot of singers you know want the drummer to stay back there. If they could put plexiglass around them, they would. And you just yeah. stay back there and don't step on my toes, not Joe. You know, it was incredible. So he pushed me to write and I wrote, you know, and I ended up writing you, I also wrote Smash You. Yeah. You know? So I was only allowed one song and Joey pushed me and Dee Dee. you know, we were friends but John was always leery like in the beginning because Marky used to bring him songs and they were written by his brother so <laughs> he was he was leery about you know me uh as a songwriter but that was it but joey was the guy who pushed me you know to do it you know and smash you uh, mm-hmm. what started the lawsuit if you're going to go there again smash you they put out a, a thing and the bonus track was smash you live in 85
0: i remember that you know
1: that he Yes. Okay. I have it. And I was away from the Ramones for years and years. I didn't pay attention to any monies or nothing. Nine, ten years, and I was in. The, I was in. Um. In fact, I was actually in Tower Records. And I s- said, "Oh, look at this!" And I saw "Smash You," written by the Ramones, Oh me. It was changed. just the whole band. Yeah. And, oh. They argued about it, you know. Before I heard, and you know, John was like, "Well, Richie will never find out, so who cares?" I did
0: find Mistake. out. Yeah.
1: Okay, so uh, that was, you know, to see someone try to steal your work is, you know, heartbreaking. You know, so it became this whole lawsuit, and then people hated me and for that. But I had to do something. You know, of course, they didn't even have to. I could have made them like you know, reprint everything, but they didn't. If you find that thing, you'll see it says the Ramones.
0: I, I, I have it, I know, yeah.
1: So, uh, that's the backstory on that, but you know,
0: yeah. So, well, going back to um, those days, um, what's some of your like real. Favorite highlights on tour with the Ramones. Every day. Every every single show.
1: There's there's no favorites. Yeah. Every moment. Every moment to be around all these eccentric people. And me myself, too, you know. I'm half (laughs) local, too. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, but it was a bunch of crazies that all gelled, you know, it gelled. And um, but every moment. Every show, there's nothing that's going to stick out. It's that's like asking me, Oh, what's your favorite Ramon song? Come on,
0: yeah. I know I wasn't going to ask you that. that.
1: <laughs> Can't answer that. So it's the same, it's the same type of question, you know. And uh, yeah. every moment, everything, you know, I, there's, there's some stories and stuff, there's some stories about you know. We got pulled over in New Jersey by the police. The police loved the Ramones, you know. We got pulled over. We had weed and all that stuff. but They didn't care. But yeah. they made us all come to the front of the cop car with the headlights in the dark and empty our pockets. So, uh, you know, I was emptying my pockets. And, and Joe, it was the wintertime. He had this long parka that went below his knees. He kept <laughs> pulling stuff out of his pockets. Old makeup. A half a bagel. All kinds of stuff. You know, they kept saying to him, are your pockets empty yet? And he'd be there. Well, you know how he looked above his glasses. And out would come something else. He filled up half the hood out of his pocket of the police car. which was the most hysterical thing. So that's a favorite, one of my favorite stories, you know, coming home from his that yeah. And he kept looking at me, like, you know, under his glasses. He looked down and he would smirked like, you know, anything yeah. else you know to be like you know we had those like little makeup pen sticks i don't know they're like a little you, you know you, almost like uh what you use like chapstick that type of like, thing. Chapstick. like makeup would come on and you do his touch-ups but it was all melted into tissues and like like <laughs> it was just a mess like it was in there for ages <laughs> then like crinkled up 20 dollar bills are like Going on there, and you know the winds blowing them. I mean, it was really something.
0: <laughs> that is funny. The
1: police let us go because we were, you know, we were, you know, we stood for, you know, America. You know, what I'm saying, and um, we were like, you know, the the uh, cops loved us. So, well, know, that was uh, it. The, co- the
0: cops, the cops always had a good relationship with the Ramones, going yeah. back to when they uh, they did that benefit show. I think in the late '70s, for when the cops needed bulletproof vests at CBGBs, right. early on.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. And that was no, something was pretty- that, that was something that the cops always remembered.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. And the yeah, New Jersey cool.
1: cops were way stricter back then than the New York police. So, you know, because they they were they wear those big like, Texan hats hats. You know, it's like scary. Mm-hmm. You know, they got like a scarier uniform. You know? Yeah. But no problem. So that was great.
0: All right. All right, Richie, I want to thank you for coming on. I just want to remind everybody that um, March uh, 23rd, you're starting your tour. It's going for about a month, right? I believe through North America. Yeah. Okay. Come out, go to richieramone.com. Find out when all the dates, hopefully something near your town. Check it out. It's a great show. And you're coming through New York city. I know on the 27th at Bowery yeah. electric. I-, I hope to uh-huh. see you there.
1: Wow. Okay, Fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah that's right. like
1: my little home there. You know, they wanted me to play Brooklyn, and I was like, no, I play here all the time. It's nice, yeah, and quaint and cozy, and we have a good time there. And I could be right in everybody's face there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. Right it's a nice stage there. Up, so.
0: yeah. yeah, okay. All
1: right, and richyramone.com. Don't and go there for all the movies and um, all that good stuff too. So, anyway. Nice Thank you, Richie.
0: Good hey, man, we you a take care. Real
1: man. good reception now.
0: Maybe yeah, it's right. It's
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Huh?
1: laughs> working good now. It,
0: it sounds great. We'll work it out. You take care.
1: Okay. All right, peace. brother. Have a good one, man. All right. <laughs> See you Bye. soon. <laughs>
0: Bye.